Thanks for joining us for this episode of Inside Ozadia. Uh, today we wanted to discuss compost teas, actively aerated compost tea. But Mark, maybe we could start with a brief description of what compost tea is, you know, how you would go about it, and what that would look like for someone. Right, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, um, opinions on the subject, but I guess the general framework is what you're gonna do is you're gonna take um, organic inputs and you're gonna put it literally in some sort of uh, mesh tea bag, looking like a tea bag, and you are going to uh, soak that in water um, to uh, get the leachate and essentially make a big old tea of some organic materials with all of its incumbent microorganisms. Um, and then you could either, there's two st uh, schools from here, you know, there's actively aerated in which they will, uh, you know, allow uh, force oxygen into the system over time, anywhere from 12 to 48. I've heard crazy stuff, um, long time. Uh, and then the other side of it, you'd be uh, applicate right away. Um, and I, I like to call these two things, like one of the terms that I've been using is actively aerated compost, and the other one would be liquid biological amendments or leachate. Right, non-aerated. Um you know, extracts, like, you know, there's a lot of different terms that can be thrown around to, to get to the same end, but um, exactly. And then, you know, what, in your experience, where do you kind of stand on, on teas? Um, you know, it's it, it going to vary based on a lot of different factors, but in general, um, you know, based on microbiology and so forth, Mark, where do you kind of, what's your perspective? Right. Well, I mean, I've used uh, actively aerated compost teas. Uh, that's how I actually started in the cannabis industry. The person who taught me, thats uh, they passed that down to me, and it was kind of what I inherited um, as a young man, right? Um, and over the years, I've thought a lot about this, and it always uh, I always think about, especially using micro, microbial inoculants, is what is actually the colonization? What am I actually putting into my soil, right? So it got me thinking about brewing teas and actually aerating them for long periods of time. And uh, I, I just had this thought about, you know, um, under optimal conditions, uh, bacteria can double its population in anywhere from like 20 to 40 minutes, right? And so uh, the optimal conditions that I'm putting in my tank are aqueous, it's uh, full of water, it's full of nutrients, um, and it's got lots of oxygen, and that's a much different environment than I'm going to be applying to. So my thought was is that I was actively culturing uh, bacteria that were not going to end up proliferating in my soil, right? Um, I don't think there's anything negative about uh, that because anything that wouldn't be under optimal conditions, you know, um, would go dormant um, or wouldn't wouldn't activate. So once they get into the soil under optimal conditions, they they would start growing. But the concept of of compost tea is to give those bacteria um, the beneficial bacteria that you want a leg up, right, over endemics, um, which are naturally suited to the environment that they're in. So uh, that was just my my thinking for years is that maybe the fact that I could be doubling the population every 20 minutes over 24 hours, that's 72 generation times, you know, um, I, I don't, I didn't know what I was brewing. And I think that's a big issue with compost teas. You never really know what the end result is. Right. Yeah. There certainly, regardless of where you stand, 
there, there is no standards. You know, there's so much variance in the input material based, you know, on the compost that you're starting with and everything else that you decide to incorporate. And then going one step further, variance in water quality and what that's, con- you know, constituents there are. You know, I think that uh, it's, it's certainly one of those things that's more on the, you know, organic side of things where we have a cycling of inputs, whether it's, it's waste or, you know, compost plant material without microscopic analysis with each batch, which occurs, you know, there's plenty of folks that do that. There, you don't really know exactly what level of uh, population you're dealing with and you know, what exact organisms are, are in there. But it's also a, a question of scale in terms of its applicability. There's certainly large scale growers that incorporate compost tea or some type of aerated solution. I think that for like a, a home grower that's looking to maybe, and we'll get into the liquid biological amendments. I like to you know, refer to them somewhat as like, you know, horticultural extracts or you know essentially you're taking these these inputs but we're not applying that that aeration we can get into a place where they're cycling of small scale true regenerative uh waste whether you're taking your your kitchen scraps and and you know have small you know vermicompost um set up in which you can use that leachate to create these extracts whatever you want to call them to kind of apply those to your soil or as a foliar spray without the aeration, right? Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, uh, even, uh, and I don't want to totally discount aerated uh, 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 compost teas either. I think they're really great sometimes as foliar treatments for specific issues, right? Um, but you bring up the, the, the leachates and the extracts, and I think that's, a, that's what I, I see as a more viable, I don't, not, I don't not only for small scale, but large scale as well, um, is to just, and I think well, just to go back one more second too, is that I think we touched on it, but I mean say, um, so the two major ingredients, right, that people look to in compost tea are gonna be uh, some sort of you know, leaf, compost, um, and then there's going to be a vermicompost, right? So the two things that are going to be in there is like lots of microorganisms. So if you're just activating them with a little bit of water and applying them right away, you're getting not only the benefits of those microbial um, bloom, that initial bloom, but also the, the nutrients, right, that are leaching through um, in that, that water. Um, so it's essentially a feed as well. Um, and here at Ozadia, I've seen people incorporate um, mineral products in their, their teas as well. Uh, for example, like our holofoss, I've seen people put that in there, you know, as like a little bit of a, a phosphorus source for those, those phosphorus solubilizing bacteria that they're putting in there, right? So it's not, um, and I think you, you bring it up a good point, is that it's all about sourcing, right? So the difference between even... Um, brewing just straight vermicompost and brewing, you know, pig manure are going to be two vastly different things, right? You know, certainly the quality of your input, its makeup, uh, how it reacts when put in a solution, whether it's aerated or not. uh, These are all factors that you're going to need to look into. The more things that you incorporate, the more challenging it becomes to know exactly what's coming out on the the back end, right? 
if someone were to look at biological or microbial fertility system and want to incorporate that into a more source-based input, whether it's vermicompost or your compost pile, whatever, you know, what, what would that look like for you, Mark? How would you, what have you seen and how would you kind of go about that? Right. Well, that's the whole thing is standardization um, is what we all want. We all want to know how much we're putting down at each time, um, especially with SAP testing. We're really trying to be very per, uh, precise with our applications, you know. So I, I do see a place for it, um, but it, it just comes down to consistency, right? Um, where are you sourcing your materials from? Like, do you have a consistent source? You know, is it municipal? Is it agricultural? Like, you know, you really have to go into it. If you're going to be adding this into any kind of system and expect precision, you just need to control as many variables as possible. Um, you know, I, I, like you said, you said water quality is going to be huge on all of this. So, you know, that would be one variable to take care of. You know, the, another, the sourcing of your compost, vermicompost, um, you know, what is going into that vermicompost, right? Um, here in Pennsylvania, one of the things that we have uh, an abundance of is mushroom compost, right? So it's free and readily available. Um, so that's like a, a really good consistent source, right? So if you do some testing on that um, and just start small, right? And then we, we can see responses and expand from there, I guess. I think at the end of the day, we encourage experimentation. I, you know, it's, the, it's part of the fun. There are certain guiding principles, I think, that anyone could look into and how to not go too far down the wrong road in terms of anaerobic environments and start small experiment. You know, if you have a home garden, you can kind of experiment with things there and, and scale up. You know, that's, that's really how you should do things. Um, so do you have any last parting comments that I just love I love what you said that at the end there is like, yeah, experimentation, you know, um, we're all, um, trying out on this new endeavor and I think through testing and um, this is also another way to get into my favorite test, the PLFA test, um, phospholipid fatty acid, take a look at some of these things. I, I think one thing for anybody to look at and I think that uh, this is something that we're looking at as well is, you know, what are the changes in these populations um, after applications and what effects do they have? Right, and it's very murky, and we're all in essentially uh, experiential territory. Um, but I think that's a really uh, interesting avenue that we've been looking at lately. Everyone, thanks for joining us. If you have any questions, comments, please leave them or email us at info@ozadia.com. Uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.